for two centuries, production was organized by proletarianization, automatization, and destruction of knowledge. This is what is said by Marx in the Communist Manifesto with Engels. They say, now capitalism will develop machinism, and with machinism, workers will become proletarians. A worker works. What does that mean, to work? It means to produce a work that is an oeuvre, we say in French. Obras, for example, opera in, in Italian. It is opening, it is producing negantropy. Now, it is the case for an artist or for a scientist, but it is also the case for a, a mother, it is the case for an artisan. It is always producing something negantropic, struggling against entropy. Now, we have a transformation with uh, the process of proletarianization. People are not working. They are employed, but they don't work. To work is to produce differences, to produce a knowledge. They don't have knowledge. This is proletarianization. It was a case in the age of Marx for manual workers. But today it is a case, for example, for the president of the Federal Reserve of the U.S. This is what was said by the president of the U.S. Federal Reserve, um, Alan Greenspan. In 2008, at the Congress of Washington, the 23rd of October, he says, you want to condemn me because of the crisis, but it's not my fault. I am proletarianized. I don't know how it works, and nobody knows it. This is very important. This was said by Marx in the 19th century. Marx said it begins with the manual workers, but it will reach the top management at the end. Everybody will be proletarianized. Now we are in such a situation, and this is this situation that produced the Anthropocene, that is the process of the increasing of the rate of entropy in the field of thermodynamics. This is a climate change. In the field of biology, this is um, the destruction of biodiversity. And in the field of information, this is the production of Trump, that is stupidity at the head of America and of the world. Author of a long list of books on technics, industry, and the proletarianization of knowledge, Bernard Stiegler is the head of the Institut de Recherche et d'Innovation at Center Georges Pompidou in Paris. He is also the founder of the interdisciplinary working group Ars Industrialis, which explores technology of the mind and of the philosophy school Pharmacon.fr based in the tiny French rural commune of Épineuil-le-Fleuriel. In his books and lectures, Stiegler presents a broad philosophical approach in which technology becomes the starting point for thinking about living together and individual fulfillment. All technology has the power to increase entropy in the world and also to reduce it. It is potentially a poison or cure, depending on our ability to distill beneficial, non-toxic effects through its use. Based on this premise, Stiegler proposes a new model of knowledge and a large-scale contributive economy to coordinate an alliance between social agents such as academia, 
politics, business, and banks. The goal, he says, is to create a collective intelligence capable of reversing the planet's self-destructive course and to develop a plan within a 10-year urgent time frame with solutions to the challenges of the Anthropocene, robotics, and the increasing quantification of life. In this podcast, Bernard Stiegler talks about education and smartphones, translations and linguists, about economic war, climate change, and political stupidity. We also chat about pharmacology and organology, about the erosion of biodiversity, the vital importance of error, and the Neganthropocene as a desirable goal to work towards, ready to be constructed. I think that today education is destroyed, not only in the university or in the school, but uh, in the family. It is destroyed, for example, by the smartphone. Parents use the smartphone and don't look at the babies or the children. Today, uh, the society in general is destroyed by social networking by digital technologies. I say that because if we need to be educated, it is because we are very strange animals. Our main organs are not into our body, but outside of the body. This is what is called by Alfred Lotka, uh, an American biologist, the process of exosomatization. He says animals are producing during evolution, an endosomatization, an organogenesis producing new types of organs that we share with the animals. For example, our eyes, we have eyes like birds, like mammifers. The history of life is always producing new types of organs. Now, three million years ago, a new type of organic production appears. It's not exactly an organic production because precisely those organs are inorganic. An organization of inorganic matter producing new organs like the Flintstone tool, for example, three billion years ago, and today algorithms that are also exosomatic organs. And this is the reason for which the human being must be educated because he has always to learn how to use artificial organs. That is language, social rules, religion, rituals, but also computers, podcasting, etc., etc. If we understand that education must be based on this process, we have to completely redefine what is education. In those so-called civilizations that we are. This education is always based on high education. The power, for example, of the emperor in China or 
of the pop in Europe and before the pop of the kings, etc., is always based on scholars, clerks, scribes in Egypt, a corporation, let's call that, specialized into a specific type of recording that is writing. And for a long time, the access to writing is limited to these clerks. What we call democracy and republic is based on sharing the knowledge of reading and writing by everybody. But second, it is also based on modern sciences appearing after the Renaissance, based on an epistemological model of knowledge that is overdetermined by the practice of reading and writing. I say that because for a long time people thought that knowledge is based on, let's call that mind or spirit, and the question of the faculty for producing and understanding knowledge is in the brain. I don't believe at all that. The faculty of learning and sharing and transmitting and producing knowledge is not at all in the brain. It is in between the brains through technologies. For example, if you are reading an email in Chinese, it's my case because I teach in China, so I receive a lot of Chinese emails. I cannot read them because I don't practice uh, Chinese writing. But I use Google, and Google uh, gives me a translation of Chinese in French, passing through English. It first translates Chinese in English and then English in French. And generally, I can use the translation. It's not excellent, but it's, it's good. It's really good. And we must know that if you go, for example, in, in the service of research of Google in Mountain View in California, there is no linguist. Nobody speaks Chinese first, no Chinese people, but no linguist. Only computer scientists, only what is called today data scientists. Well, let's conclude, we don't need linguistics. This is what is said by Chris Anderson, a very dangerous storyteller of the Silicon Valley. What is produced by Google is extremely efficient. For example, I can read Chinese emails, but it is destroying Chinese language and American language and French language. Why? Because language, like life, are based on exceptions, on default. For example, default of copy of the DNA during uh, the process of reproduction and combination of chromosomes. It's because of these errors, these mistakes, these uh, defaults produced by reproduction that life is evolving. The process of evolution and of differentiation is based on mistakes. In the realm of language, it is a question of exceptions. For example, maybe you know a French poet, Gérard de Nerval, who was extremely famous in the 19th century. He was a romantic poet. One day he wrote the expression, black sun. 
Blackson, soleil noir. Blackson is a contradiction. Sun is everything but never black. It's impossible to see a black sun. Nevertheless, black sun became a very important expression of romantic poetry. If I say that, it is because language is what evolves. There is a process of evolution. This is what was showed by Ferdinand de Saussure at the beginning of the 20th century in Switzerland. And such an evolution is based on mistakes, on agrammatical practices, of production of metaphors, etc., etc. That is, on exceptions. Life or language are what are called dynamic systems. And they are open. That means that they are capable to transform themselves according to the transformation of their milieu, of the relationships between the system and other systems, etc. Et But Bertalanffy showed in a book that is called uh, General Theory of Systems that such systems, open systems, can become closed systems if we impose to those systems mechanical functioning. This is what is happening, for example, with Google not only to Chinese language, French language, or English language, but to 500 languages composing the main languages of the world on Earth. And this is a process producing what is called in physics entropy. That is the destruction of differences. So, I go back to your question. What about education? Today we have to refound knowledge, not only education. It is knowledge itself that we must completely re-articulate as it is transforming completely the practice of language, for example, but also the practice of social relationships through social networks, education of babies through the smartphones, etc., etc. And we have to understand the, in a new way what means knowledge. I said education... You can educate someone if you have a knowledge. As a mother, as a father, as a footballer, as a, a musician, as a friend also, because friends share knowledge of, for example, the knowledge of the, of the district. You know. In a favela, for example, you have knowledge of the district. You know, you, and, you, and you share that with your friends. So. Sharing such a knowledge is education, Uh, transmitting such a knowledge is an education, but today knowledge is completely transformed. So we have to, to question, what is knowledge? What do we mean by knowledge? Here there is a very important French philosopher, Georges Canguilhem, who says knowledge is what makes us capable to deal with our artificial organs. An artificial organ is a pharmacon in the sense of Socrates. Socrates said writing is a pharmacon. Pharmacon means medication, uh, drug. For example, antibiotics are pharmaca. And you can do with a pharmacon the best and the worst. For example, opium is a very important and good pharmacon. Myself, I use it, not directly, but transformed, because I have a disease and I need sometimes to use it in the form of morphine. And this is a part of the molecule of opium. That is a very good medication, but it is also a poison. It's extremely dangerous. 
if you give opium to everybody, you destroy the society. This is what was made by Britain uh, empire in China. And um, digital technologies are pharmaca. Today they are used by, for example, Cambridge Analytica for manipulation, for voting in America, in Europe, in Russia, etc., etc. And these technologies are extremely dangerous. But they are also extremely useful and necessary because we are living on Earth with now 8 billion people and we will reach 9 million billion people in uh, 20 years. And in such a situation, we need very, very powerful means of calculation for controlling, for deciding, etc., etc., about many, many, many questions. But for that, we have to change our knowledge. This is what we try to do with a group of people coming from everywhere in the world, coming from uh, arts, law, economics, science, mathematics, philosophy, etc., etc., also citizens. We are launching um, what we call a memorandum of understanding. If you read, for example, the second notice published as a warning by 15,000 scientists the 13th of November 2017, they say now we have only 10 years for changing life on Earth. If we don't do that, we will destroy Earth in totality in the next century. This is also what was said very recently by uh, the IPCC concerning climate change. The results are now absolutely catastrophic. We know that now we should reach 5.5 degrees of increasing of temperature on Earth at the end of the 21st century. And this is a destruction of the world. So we have to change completely our ways of life. But what is a way of life? It is the result of education. Newton is not obsolete, but it's not sufficient. It is the same for all forms of knowledge, cooking, for example, education of babies, uh, medicine, etc., etc. Now, for that, we also need to produce a new type of research, because we have only 10 years, if we believe in what is said by IPCC, only 10 years. How is it possible to change? It is possible by practicing what we call contributory research. We are launching a process of contributory research for creating a new economy based on a new knowledge. Such a knowledge is uh, what we call negantropology. And such knowledge is based on the statements of a book published in 1971 that was entitled The Entropy Law and the Economic Process. That was published by Nicholas Georgescu Hagen, who was the assistant of Joseph Schumpeter. But he said to Schumpeter, yes, your economics is very beautiful, but it is wrong. It is wrong because it is based on the physics of Newton. And today we live in physics of entropy. What is entropy? It is a dissipation of energy that makes 
the universe in totality disappearing in what is called cooling. Now, Schrödinger, the physicist, uh, he didn't publish, he, he gave conferences about what is life, and he said life is what is capable to defer entropy and to produce what he called negative entropy, that is called today negentropy. Why and how? By the process of organization of organogenesis, production of evolution of organs, of production of new types of organs, new types of species, the process of differentiation of life, biodiversity. Now, if we read uh, Lotka, we understand that uh, today with the human, the process is not only biodiversity, but no-o-diversity. That is a process of diversification, for example, of um, artificial organs that are now uh, more diverse than the diversity of life. And this process of diversification is also producing today a process of uniformization, of of standardization. Why? Because an artificial organ is always entropic and negentropic. So with an artificial organ you can always increase entropy or decrease entropy, that is increase negentropy. This is a pharmacon. We go back to the question of the pharmacon. The problem is if you don't have the knowledge for making the artifact good for you, that is negentropic, it will necessarily and automatically become entropic, that is toxic. So we have to produce epistemic revolution that is based first by examining these questions very, very precisely at the level of the best places for science, etc. etc. But by practicing what we call contributory research, such a research being based on the contribution between scientists, scholars, etc., and populations. I started to explore this question by creating an online school that is called L'Ecole des Pineuils, that is a school of, of philosophy. And for seven years, I had 1,000 students online. I stopped that because it was too much exhausting for me. I was too busy with that. But this created a group that is called now pharmacon.fr. That is the origin of this group going to the United Nations in Geneva in 2020 for proposing a new method, a new episteme, a new program of research in which we will ask to the United Nations to create a program of scientific research practicing the methodology of contributory uh, research in diverse countries, in India, in Ecuador, in Ireland, in England, in France, and maybe other places in Africa, I don't know, because at the moment we have contact with these places for launching in countries such a research that is also oriented to the goal of creating a new economy that is called contributory economy. And such an economy is not an economy, let's call that socialist economy or, or communist economy. No, it's not our question. It's a new organization of knowledge in production. Mm -hmm.
Now we think that if we need to relaunch a new economy, it's because with automation that will become more and more efficient. We will lose between 10% and 40% of jobs in the future. And it is the failure of economy in such a case, because solvency of markets is destroyed. So the question is, if people are not now employed as proletarian because softwares, software substitution, robots, etc., are more efficient than, than those people, what shall we do with those people? We think that we should give time for those people for producing new forms of knowledge and for producing new negantropic bifurcations capable to transform the Anthropocene into what we call the Neganthropocene. For that, we are in a state of emergency and we have to transform extremely urgently the process of research. This is the reason for which we believe that it is now the new task of the United Nations to organize that. You know that the League of Nations was created after the, the treaties of Paris, after the First World War, for avoiding a second war. And it was a failure, because the second war appeared 20 years after the creation of the League of Nations. After the Second World War, the League of Nations was transformed into the United Nations. And the United Nations couldn't avoid a new kind of war that is called economic war. Today, the Earth is in economic war. And such a war is extremely destructive, much more destructive than the two uh, world war of the 20th century. People are suffering, the earth is suffering. Many, many destructions are produced by such a war. So we have to negotiate a new form of peace, an economic peace. It's not a peace where you don't have competition, but it is a peace in which you have competition, but based on knowledge, not on proletarianization. So we think that it is possible to overcome the situation of the Anthropocene even if the chance is absolutely uh, microscopic and nanoscopic. <laughs> but we must try that. And it is extremely enthusiastic. For example, what we do in, uh, in the north of Paris, in Seine-Saint-Denis, the name of the department is La Seine-Saint-Denis, people are extremely enthusiastic because suddenly they see that there is hope. It is possible to change things and not by attitude, claiming I am a Marxist and I struggle against capitalism. Yes, you struggle against capitalism, but you are always losing in such a struggle. So maybe there is a problem. The problem is that we have to change our knowledge, also the political knowledge, the political hypothesis and thesis about uh, the necessity to change, for example, the social relationship. The question is uh, the articulation between micro-politics, micro-economy, and macro-politics and macro-economy. This is a question we try to address uh, in my institute, because I work in the Institute for Research and Innovation in Paris. Now, this institute is linked to Ars Industrialis and the Pharmacon.fr group, so they are working together. First, I must tell you that myself, like Michel Bowens, and many friends like, for example, Gert Loving, you know him probably, etc. 
we were um, transformed by the experience of free software. Like me, Michel Bowens was also a manager of big companies and of um, Belgacom. Myself, I was a manager of an important institution in France, that is the Institut National de l'Audiovisuel. And I discovered at the same time, like Michel Bowens, a new organization of work in industry that was based on shared knowledge by uh, free software developers. And we believe that it is a new matrix for an industry that would be based on knowledge, not on proletarianization. So we tried to create experiments and micro experiments in the sense of microeconomics, micropolitics, etc. In Mille Plateau, Deleuze and Guattari say, we said we must develop micro-experimentation. Yes, and we maintain that, but it's not sufficient. So why? If you don't address the level of the meso level, mesocosmos, and the macrocosmos or macroeconomics, you will never exist. You will be maintained, for example, artificially by the help of Europe, of funds, of etc. You will never transform anything. You will just produce locally a very nice experimentation, but no knowledge. If we want to address the question of a contributory economy that is always local, because it is based on a knowledge shared by the people living together. So it's necessary local. It's necessary, if we want to do that, to change the rules of macroeconomics. The negantropic bifurcations are always produced locally, but they are capable to maintain themselves only if they are capable to disseminate themselves at the macro level, uh, that is not locally, in the biosphere, in the whole biosphere, not compatible with the rules of market. So you could say, but let's suppress the market. We cannot suppress the market. We can say, I will suppress the market. Yes, of course. But it is like Donald Trump from the extreme left. It's also stupid, exactly like Trump. We cannot suppress the market at the moment. Maybe we will suppress the market in 50 years or in a, in a century. Why not? Maybe. But today it's not possible. Today, if we want to save ourselves in the next 10 years, we have to change the market, to negotiate with the market and to negotiate a new macroeconomic organization. When you discuss with the managers of most important banks in the world, they say the future is absolutely black. Nothing is sustainable. No solvency, no investment, only speculation, only destruction. So they are ready for trying to change something at the macroeconomic level. This is what we try to do also in Saint-Denis, because what I do in Saint-Denis, it's not only with the inhabitants of Saint-Denis, it is also with banks, with big companies, etc. Et now we believe that it is possible to do that in France at the macroeconomic level. I discuss also with the Ministry of Finance, etc. Not with the minister, not with Macron, but with those people who are really specialists of taxes, for example, etc., and economy, and they understand very well what we do. Now it's not sufficient, because the real question is to reorganize a European project for dealing with America and Asia. 
mainly, not only, but mainly, for producing a negotiation of economic peace with new rules for producing what I call the new wealth, not of nations, but of internation, that is, of the cooperation between nations. And this is possible only if we change, for example, the rules of contability in the firms, which is what we call microfinancing, but also the rules of nations, national contabilities, the rules of contability of Europe, etc. etc. And here the question is to produce a new rationality. The question is not to produce a new social justice. I say that because social justice, if you just address the question of social justice, the result is charity. Let's give some money to the poor people, the basic income. This is what was said by Milton Friedman. <laughs> so it was a point of view of ultra-liberalism. We say, no, we must produce a new wealth. This wealth must be based on knowledge, collective experimentation, localities, sharing knowledge into global networks and cooperating for the peace, economic peace, and for changing and transforming the Anthropocene into Neg-Anthropocene. In such a situation, the main question is how to articulate the micro level, the meso level, and the macro level. For that, we believe that we have to transform the platforms in the sense of Google or Amazon or Facebook. A platform is a system of what is called now scalability. And such a scalability is based on calculation. Now we believe that the wealth is negantropic and what is negantropic is incalculable for the system producing the negantropic bifurcation. So in a system you have a dynamic process capable sometimes to produce a bifurcation, but such a bifurcation is never calculable. It is exactly the same question like what I said previously about faults of pronunciation or orthograph or transformation of DNA by errors of copy. You cannot calculate an error. This is the error as it is not calculable that produces a mutation and a transformation. So we have to change the ideology of calculation and computation. We are working on this territory of Saint-Denis, but also uh, with many other people. And I will have a meeting next week with precisely Michel Bowens about this question. How to use blockchain in a really interesting way for that. Um, blockchain is a system of computation, but we consider that it is important to introduce in it, not in blockchain, but in holochain, what we call incalculability, improbability what you cannot calculate.
course, the question of desire is the first question. This is also the reason for which uh, the first manifesto of Ars Industrialis was dedicated to the destruction of desire by capitalism. Probably you know that uh, it was a nephew of Freud who created marketing in America. The name was Edward Bernays. Edward Bernays uh, came in America from Austria at the beginning of the 20th century and he became very famous in 1917 when uh, the Department of Defense of America wanted to engage America in the First World War and uh, the government organized a campaign for convincing people to, to go uh, in Europe and it was uh, completely a failure. And uh, Edward Bernays said, but you don't understand what is desire and you should read my uncle Sigmund Freud, what is really uh, making people deciding things is unconscious and it is based on desire and drives. So we must manipulate the desire and the unconscious and he was successful. He became really famous uh, 10 or 12 years later in 1929 he organized a campaign of marketing for Lucky Strike cigarettes because at this time all the companies in America were in ruin. And he said to the CEO of uh, Lucky Strike cigarettes, I can change the situation for you. I can make all the ladies of America smoking your cigarettes. I will use the theory of psychoanalysis for manipulating, let's call that the feminist movements, and for making them asking the right to smoke like men. He developed that and uh, he said, uh, today the problem of the capitalist market is that it is producing objects that are not needed by people. For example, people don't want to telephone, they don't want the television, they don't want anything. They want to be uh, quiet and to maintain their way of life. Now we must change their way of life. If we don't change their way of life, we will not develop our new form of capitalism that will be called consumerism. So it was the beginning of marketing. This was a destruction of libido. Why? Because for that, uh, for this transformation of, let's call that, needs, and through needs, desire, what I call the means of transformation of drives into libido, were destroyed. And such short-circuiting is producing what I call a drive-based capitalism, exploiting only drives, destroying libido. Why? Because libido is fidelity. When you are in a libidinal re relation to an object, such a relation is not necessarily sexual. It can be, for example, your love for geometry, or for painting, or for politics, or for many things. This is called sublimation. And this is producing societies, knowledge, organization. You are in fidelity, you know, in faithful to all real social relationship is based on such a link that is what Bergson calls an obligation. 
And I like to say that in Portuguese, obligado, that means obligation and uh, link. This is what is destroyed by capitalism, particularly when it becomes speculative capitalism. For example, um, Golden Boy, as we said previously, the one who is speculating on the financial market, is driven by his drives. <laughs> he has a drive-based behavior, not at all libido. He doesn't invest. But it is the same for the consumer. Consumer is addict, and such an addiction is based on drives, not at all into investment. This is the reason for which we say now that we are in addictive technology or addictive capitalism. But such a situation is necessarily self-destructive. Because if you have a society where drives are not regulated and transformed by libido, you enter into violence, civil war, military wars, necessarily. When I said, for example, previously that we need to develop an economic peace, it is to reconstruct investment that is libido for recreating a libidinal economy. If we don't have an economy, an economy in the sense of exchange on the market, capable to sustain a libidinal economy, we will destroy economy in general. Now you ask me what I think about accelerationism and speed. Let's say before discussing the thesis of Nick Cernicek, for example. I know him very well. I invited him sometimes in my school, etc. And we discussed. But it was not at all interesting. He's always repeating exactly the same thing. He doesn't want to think, really. He has a posture, an attitude, and he says, yes, we can accelerate, etc. Yes, I, I agree with that. Um, we must appropriate the process of acceleration and innovation, etc., from the point of view of so-called left. But it is useful only if we are capable to produce a critic, what I call a pharmacological critic of acceleration. Because if not, we are only developing with the socialist view <laughs> the same catastrophe like capitalism, like speculative capitalism, financial capitalism. So the real question is first, what is speed? And what is a bifurcation in speed. Today, um, the platforms are running computation between 1 million and 4 million faster times than our brain. So when you are, for example, dealing with a, a platform on Amazon or Google, this platform has recorded your behavior for, for me 20 years. Those data, they are my memory. But when I am, for example, dealing for buying a book or I don't know what, the system of Google or of Amazon is calculating on my data between 1 million and 4 million faster times than my own capacity. How is it possible to go faster than such a platform with my brain, for example. Is it possible? Or maybe not my brain, but 
the, uni the unification, the cooperation of brains of a group, for example, with Michel Bowens, you, etc., etc. How is it possible to go faster than such platforms? It is absolutely possible. It is absolutely possible because to think it is to go faster than the speed of light. To think is to create a bifurcation. The speed of it being infinite compared with calculation. Of course, calculation works at the speed of light. That is 300,000 kilometers in a second. It's incredible. Yes, of course. But it is limited. A bifurcation is infinite. It's not finite, like uh, such a calculation. So the real question is to think. And I think that the accelerationist manifesto doesn't think. It is only trying to appropriate a dynamic that is very bad. When I say that it is very bad, I don't say that you must reject it. No, you must not only adapt it, but adopt it. And to adopt it is to transform it. It's to educate it. If you adopt a child, for example, you will educate it. You will transform it. It is a process of transformation. For that, you must have knowledge. Degree economics, for me, it's a bad question. Because the question is, is what is growth? The so-called growth economy is not at all growth. What is growth? Growth is increasing the negantropic organizations. So, we published in Ars Industrialis in 2007 a book, the title is Pour en finir avec la mécroissance, for finishing with myth growth. What is called growth is not at all growth. If you want to translate in ancient Greek growth, the term is phusis. That is translated in, in Latin natura. Growth is not at all calculation of what produced speculation. This is what is called growth. But it's not at all growth. It is misgrowth, mécroissance. We have to reinvent what is growth. And for me, degrowth is bad because it is rejecting the real problem. So we have to produce a new analysis which must be capable to welcome 350,000 babies every day. Every day you have new babies appearing on Earth. We must provide them food. We must educate them. We must make them peaceful, etc. This is very interesting. This is really the real question of growth. Now, degrowth is rejecting technology, rejecting industries. It's completely stupid. We cannot reject industry. We are almost 8 billion people on Earth. And uh, we are in a situation where China, India, etc., are developing all those technologies. We must produce a new rationality of such an industrial development. It will not be the end of industry. Industry is the future. 
but we must reinvent complete industry on the model of free software, on the model of knowledge, on the model of local production articulated through networks with other local production, open local production, etc. And uh, yes, there are many, many things to do, but we must uh, stop to have discourses that are not uh, realistic it's uh, because it it will produce far right in the south of spain now the far right is anti government probably in france the far right will be the government in the next years because of macron stop let's try to think again not to make Europe greet again, <laughs> but to think again, and it's not a problem of Europe, it's our problem. So yes, we have many, many new experiences, uh, like uh, those uh, we try to organize with Bowen, etc. But we must pass to another scale, that is a scale of uh, saving the world. <laughs>